Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Student Spotlight. This is a very unique episode for two reasons. One, this is the first attempt at a video and audio experience. If all goes to plan, there will be a video up on the YouTube channel for the Student Spotlight where you will see us talking as guests and hosts. And um, yeah, that will be exciting for you to finally see who is behind this podcast and who's talking. The second reason is that this is the year anniversary episode. It's amazing. December 28th, 2019 was when this podcast started. And today is December 28th, 2020. So that's amazing. In this episode, I'm joined by Sana. And Sana is a very, very interesting student. She's studying justice, political philosophy, and law at McMaster University. And she's also a teaching assistant for this innovation course, like a bunch of innovation courses, which combine business and the engineering faculty. So that's an amazing combination that you don't typically see. She's also the VP Vice President of Operations at the Rescue Our Kids charity and McMaster Women in Pre-Law Society. And in terms of future prospects, she hopes to become a lawyer, human rights advocate, and a professor one day. Honestly, this episode was has to be one of my ultimate favorites. We not only caught up from our high school days, which is when we initially met, but we truly, I feel like, became adults. We talked about society and a bunch of law things. And while well, I'm like butchering this, you can tell law is not my strong suit. So I'm happy to talk with someone who's very passionate about the subject and well-informed. So I hope that this episode gives you some value in that aspect and gives you a look into some societal, um, the societal workings of where we're living at, especially as students. So I hope you like this episode and we will see you there. All right, everyone, welcome to this episode of the Student Spotlight. Today I'm joined with Sana, an amazing, amazing friend from high school, the olden days, which is awesome. Um, by the way, Sana, you know what I just, what? Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. You know what I noticed? It's like, this is literally the, so by the time this comes out, this will be the like year anniversary episode. Because, your- yeah, I started this on the 28th. I w- this will probably be out on the 28th of December. So this will be like the year. Yeah. That is so cool. Oh my God. I just noticed this right now. <laughs> honor. So thank you, Santa, for coming on. Amazing. Okay, so um, if this video ends up not turning out bad, this will be our first like video episode. Because I was like, you know what, a year of audio, it's time to get some video to see the beautiful guests like Santa. Um, And yeah, so if this all works out, welcome. This is what we look like. Um, Lovely. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Exciting. Exciting. Okay, Santa, so... I want to talk about like first thing we should probably talk about is our transition from like what we're doing right now in university right so uh, if you guys listen to the intro I'll like talk about what Santa does and like what she's studying in university but relatively like do you want to just give a quick debriefer of what you study? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I study at McMaster, JPPL. Um, so it's a really cool program that like, combines political science and philosophy in one. Um, so it's really, really exciting. And I feel like it has a bit of sociology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like it. Um, you'll learn a few things that I talk about today that like we've talked about in our course this yeah. year. So that's really, really cool. Um, 
Yeah, so I really like it. Um, I'm also part of Rescue Our Kids, a foundation my grandma started, um, and I work as a teacher's assistant um, for a in innovation course. Mm -hmm. um, so it's um, engineering and business in one. Um, and then I'm also part of a club called McMaster Women in Pre-Law. And yeah, that's everything in one. <laughs> Gonna be a lawyer. That's so cool. Hopefully one day, Harvey Specter, female version. I thought, I thought you don't like Harvey Specter. I love Harvey Specter, but like my goal is like that when people envision a, a lawyer, they envision okay. a woman in a suit and like not what we currently, you know, think of right now. I feel like whenever you say the word a lawyer right away, you think of like some big time male lawyer walking in like downtown Toronto or some big city like New York City. Okay. Uh, so yeah, breaking that mold. That's my goal. Okay, but like, are you going to be one of those lawyers? Because you know how they say lawyers are kind of um, B words. Like they're very, very like strict and like, I'm going to murder, not murder everyone. I'm going to like beat everyone. I want to be the best lawyer. Like does that, what do you think about that? So, okay. Uh, it's a stereotype, obviously. I don't know. It, it, is a, it is a stereotype, but the thing is like, and this is something I guess we'll talk about this episode is that there's a lot of corruption. And um, so like our, I feel like a good lawyer is not able, not only able to do their job, but able to break stereotypes to, um, you know, be able to go after and, and, and hold people like accountable for mm -hmm. some of the, like some of the, some of the, some of the crazy stuff. Yeah. Not not just crazy stuff. Like it's it's illegal. Some of it's actually illegal. Like by constitution, it's illegal. And the you know people like Donald Trump and um, these people in like high, high like high authorities and um, they they're able to get away with everything. It's like money buys everything. Like money buys everything. It's insane. So like you're saying because you're dealing with such. Um... You have evil to be, people like you have to be very like I'm gonna beat you I mean exactly. I'm gonna put you in jail or something exactly and not even just okay. that like it, it the other thing is like see when people say that when they're talking to a man they think he's a boss if he's like that when okay. they're talking to a woman they think she's like the b-word if she is like that mm -hmm. you know? that's something else that we have to consider is like um you know when when we're when we're kind of thinking about you know males and females and like other identities as well we have to consider the fact that you know um so our, our perspective that's you know been built in for centuries and centuries and centuries yeah. we have to be able to be aware of like some of the language we're using and the reason that we're using it too mm -hmm. so i feel like that's something else that like we have to be aware of is um not classifying it that way right away mm. without thinking of like the word itself right that's true yeah okay then I see I can see where you're coming from I think uh, you brought up a good point with the whole we have to be aware of what we say and how we perceive things because one thing that I experience in the computer science community that I think a lot of other women will experience as well is there's like such a bro culture like everyone is like oh one of the boys let's go boys all these things and it's not like the people saying this don't have a bad intention it's just like naturally how they have been what why are you making that face what do you disagree agree no i i totally agree and it's okay. so cool that you're saying that it's because um i remember in my political science class in first year mm -hmm. it was exactly like that and really? I, 
Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to JPPL. It's all going to be like that. And, I, and you know, it, it's going to be totally misogynistic. It's like all guys and they're going to be dumping their opinion on top of you. And our program is, I swear to God, this is not an over-exaggeration. It's majority females. Really? It is like, wow. I'm telling you, uh, okay, at least the people that speak out. Okay. At least like when you're looking at that, like in our tutorials or lectures, I can probably name off the top of my head only one guy spoken all semester. And I think that's because, you know, our, our program is dominated by females, which is, I, I find so cool. It Whoa. is so cool. Wow. I did not, yeah, I did not expect that, but. Right. Um, I mean, it's still pretty cool. Like if you like something and you want to be outspoken about it, there's no reason that you shouldn't be for the vision of someone else perceiving you in certain ways. But people so. are so scared. And like we saw that in our class, our professor will, you know, like say what he thinks. Okay. And then literally everybody agrees, except for me and this one girl. Every single time, <laughs> this one girl, okay, like he'll say something. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I can see where you're coming from, but you have to consider this and this and this. Yeah. Like people are scared of authority figures. And if you want to be, if, if you want to be someone that challenges corruption and is able to, you know, like wants to eliminate it you can't be someone that goes along with it we all know that's going to be difficult but you know if you actually want to make a change you're going to have to be that one person that goes in there and as you said like is the b word you know yeah you're going to need that person and it's not b word like you're just being a true definition of an intellectual you're like you're questioning things you're like that just because someone higher up that with a position has this no one can question it that makes no sense that's literally corruption it is literally corruption and that's and that's still the way everything operates even like when you're looking at your classes what do you think Does well for me happen? like um corruption in, in what sense like the authority figure stuff yeah have you seen that like um like in terms of speaking out in lectures me and like some i think two other girls are the ones who like you always speak out like we were always asking the professor questions questioning why they chose a specific data structure for something but the other guys usually like they will they're obviously not everyone like i'm not going to generalize it but most of the time it is the the women who are speaking out about things so i think yeah that's interesting I, i never thought we'd have that connection it is so cool yeah well awesome well like now see like when i reflect back we're in like two very different positions and careers per se of where we um initially decided so for some context for our listeners santa and i were in like um high like what was it called again specialist yeah specialist high um, high school major yes yeah something like that yeah, exactly. It's like, a, I guess, kind of a major where we're a bunch of people who want to go into health sciences. Most of us wanted to go to medical school, etc. That was kind of how we bonded more so. Um, but now we're like, goodbye, medicine. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can, we should definitely talk about this because there's so many people who go into medicine and then later on, there's like that huge switch because they notice something um and for me like i'll talk about my bit first but what was your sort of flip of the switch that went to took you from medicine to almost like law and justice and all that because that's very different it is very different um see okay funny thing um my parents really were scared of like me going into law and studying law really Um, 
they made me take all sciences. That's why you saw me in the Shisei program because I'm the type of person that's like very committed. So when my parents were like, that's it, you don't have an option, you're gonna go into sciences. Uh, that's exactly what I did, okay? So I mm. took all my course sciences. I swear to God, I swear to God, before university, I've never taken any law course. Even the law course in grade 12, people yeah. would be talking about it. I'm like, cannot relate. I don't know what I'm getting into. Um, so it was all sciences. I took schism as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what ended up happening is um, I got, you know how I moved schools in grade 12? Yes. I got so sick of like the sciences and I, my, my thing with the sciences is that there's the right and wrong answer and you have to kind of, you feel like you have to fit it into category. And I'm, I, my brain just doesn't think like that. Mm -hmm. I just cannot, I, I'm not the type of person that, you know, you can teach maths and sciences to and be like, you're going to, you're going to abide by these rules and you're going to do this and this and that. Hmm. It's not, it's not fair to me. Hmm. So what I ended up doing is after applications were due on, um, and I forgot where it was that we applied. Oh, you after, what is it? Oh, you see like the college portal, university. Yeah, portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's the one. Um, so I ended up after, after they were due by a whole month, okay. I went in and changed my spare like application, which was environmental science at McMaster. Mm -hmm. Um, that was like my back, back, like backup plan. <laughs> um, I changed it to humanities and okay. like I did it. And then I started sobbing my heart out. Cause like, I was like, what am I doing with my life? What did I, why did I just do that? Mm -hmm. I just got a like impulse and I followed it. I did it. Um, then I went and prayed and then I'm like, okay, not, not only did I actually like be like, I'm going to wait for my results, but I was like, if it comes before York and we all know like York is the first acceptance for everybody. So like, <laughs> if it comes like, like if it comes before York, <laughs> if you're from York, we're not dissing you. It's just a, uh... no, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, like a less minute, selective. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, so like a minute before like the, um, uh, like app, from the, um, acceptance from your came in, I was like, if it comes a minute, like more, even more than a minute before, that means it's a sign. I'm going to go into humanities. Right. And then I still have it on my email. I got the humanities acceptance at three Oh three and the York one at three Oh four. Wow. I, and I still have the text. I, I texted mom sobbing and we had some cake in the fridge. I was just eating that up. Wow. Um, yeah. So I was like, that's Dude, kind of That's crazy. And it was just like, oh, I'm just going to apply to this just because it was like, yeah, I just, I just was random. Like, I came back from a chemistry test. I'm like, this is not me. I did. I did well. My grades were like all eighties and nineties. Yeah. It just was not me. Like mm. I just didn't feel good writing about it. And it's not like if your heart's not in it, even if you're doing well, that makes it a little bit more difficult because like yeah. the paper is telling you I'm doing good in these things and it is a perspective, like a, it's a good prosperous career. But if you're yeah. not feeling it, then like, what's the point? Right. And I'm glad that you had that connection. That's so cool. Like the fact that it was one minute. Wow. Wow. I mean, my shift was like more like it took me a little bit more time to sort of think about what like because I was questioning medicine for a while even though it like schism everything the experience was great we had a lot of fun we uh, volunteered in places had co-op etc um the pivotal point for me that transferred me from medicine to computer science and well not computer science i don't know it was just like not medicine 
after that point, I was like, no, not medicine, was in a co-op. And for people who are listening, co-op is like in high school, you can sort of go and have like a, I think it was four months of work experience in a specific place. And I did that in a cancer center in a hospital. And during that time, I had a lot of fun, talked to the doctors, asked them like, how is it? Everything like that. And I don't watch Grey's Anatomy because that's like totally medically inaccurate. But I was like, you expect something like that when you work in a hospital, like, oh, people running, fixing people, etc. But when I asked the doctors, like, what do you guys do? It was like shocking. They said that medicine 30 years ago was completely different than what it is now. 30 years ago, it was more so like, let's say 70, 80 percent actual patient work. You go help people do the Grey's Anatomy stuff, etc. Operations, procedures. But now it's like more than 50% just paperwork, um, over-documenting everything. I'm not saying over-documenting stuff is not good. Obviously, you need to know what your doctor's like prescribing you and things. But to the point where they were like scared of getting sued and just things like that, the doctors being very, um, I guess, aware of the law or something like that. So it wasn't more so medicine. It was just like a business, right? And I was like, oh. I don't know if I like want to do this. And I was asking the doctors and everything, how do you guys think about it? What are the statistics? And they would tell me that maybe like 50% of the people on the ward or the hospital in general statistics actually wanted to resign. But if you spend like 40 years or something like that in medicine and you do medical school and you have debt as well, that's like you're pretty much trapped. Like what else can you do after that point? You can change your life, but it's complete. Like you've spent so much time at this career, you might as well just stick it out. Um, so when I heard all this, I was like, oh, whoa, this is, uh, this is something. So I kept that at the back of my mind. And then other things weighed in, like you said, like the whole university applications thing. Um, McMaster has like health sciences that everyone wants to get into. So it's a, it's a prestigious like program. I'll give it that. But it was a little hindsight of like, oh, this field is very, very um, competitive. When I think it shouldn't be as competitive as it is. But if you're a doctor, like, obviously you need to know your stuff. But I think it was just a little a little too much. I don't know. Yeah. There was just a bunch of cons that I saw. And the thing that everyone in medical school, they ask you, like, why do you want to be a doctor? And they always tell you, don't tell, don't say the most obvious answer, which is, do you know the answer? Yeah, you want to save lives. Yeah, help people. exactly. I want to help people. I was like, that is my answer, though. And I want to you can do that in different ways. And that was like the, the pivotal point. So after that point, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe not medicine. We'll do something else. And coding and stuff was amazing. And my professors were super amazing. They showed me like, they showed me a whole new world. And well, there we so go. Good. Yeah. But it's so good that like, you know, we both changed our careers or like, mm-hmm. you know, we're and like we both are in love with the programs we're doing and um our profs our school everything like it just seems like when you love what you're studying everything falls into place exactly it's funny that you were talking about corruption because like (laughs) seriously that's something that we discussed in class and like that's where i that's why that's why i was telling you like we saw a big difference and you know what the prof was saying and then majority of the students agreeing and then Mm -hmm. you know i mean the other girl not yeah Uh, but yeah like it's so funny because like you know how when you think of corruption, people just think of the United States and Trump, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like, isn't the United States being poor is a crime, being black is a, pr- a crime, mm-hmm. being women is a crime? It seems like whoever you are, you're a crime to humanity. Um, so, when you think about that, you think about, mm-hmm. like, okay, what about Canada? Where does that put Canada, right? 
We think relatively better because we have a less population. Funny you say that. Um, It's not that way because in the U.S., um, you know how like a black man is six times more likely to be incarcerated than a white man. Mm-hmm. Okay, like pulled over for something like regulation law, like yeah. you know, you, you you ran a red light. That's that's six times more likely. Mm-hmm. Okay, in Canada, Indigenous people in general are ten times more likely wow. to be incarcerated than non-Indigenous. Wow, that's crazy. Not just that, in Canada, Black people are three point two times more likely to be ticketed and ask for verification, and that's in Canada. Mm. And then. So you think about this oh, and then God. you think, so it's a crime to embrace your, you know, your, who you are. It's a crime to embrace um, your sexuality. And you can see that because eight out of 10 people that are incarcerated are either lesbian or bisexual. Hmm. Um, so when you consider these statistics, you think, okay, why for, in the beginning, why do we have regulation law? Yeah. You know, like what's, what's the crime out of like not carrying your driver's license with you? You know, you think about that stuff and you question, like, what we see is that not all populations are equally ticketed. Right. So does that mean that regulatory law is used as, um, like, a means, as a tool of reiterating the structural prejudice we've been seeing, like, literally for centuries? Mm. It's fundamentally broken, then. Exactly. And mm-hmm. a lot of Canadians choose to turn a God. blind eye to that. They don't consider it. And then when you think about when all this started, we start with the U.S. This started in the 1970s, in the Reagan era, when he came along and he said, I'm going to make the law, I'm going to make taxes better for the middle, um, the middle class. Um, you won't have to pay as much taxes. Where did that idiot cut the taxes? He cut it in the judicial system. That's so what stupid. What happens then? They have to make money somehow. So where do they make their money off of? Prisons. No, they make they make being oh. rich. Um, like being rich becomes um, they they disregard the law mm. and they have their money. They have their money. That's how they can get out of jail. That's how they can avoid. They can they can pay bail. Um, and what happens is you put you put the poor people. Um, you put black people. You put um, this uh, indigenous people. Yeah. minorities you put them all into this one cycle and then you wonder why we see so many of them getting into cycles of abuse cycles of addiction cycles of um homelessness living on the streets mm. and why would that be that's because when they ticket them for stupid things they have to pay the, like they have to pay the 160 dollars, right let's say yeah if they can't pay 160 dollars at once which like most of them can't because like they're they, you know mm-hmm. um living an average life so then what happens is they have to pay a payment plan this payment plan stretches out the 40 dollars a month to like five months so what happens is the 160 turns into you know way more than what it should be and then they go to jail in jail they're they're ticketed oh um, sorry, they could get they could pay bail money in canada bail, bail money is on an average of three thousand two dollars mm. How can they do that? I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, I don't really know what bail money is. Is that like, if you commit a murder, you can't have bail money, right? Obviously. Yeah, so bail money yeah. is like, basically you're telling the judges okay. that you promise, like when you pay bail money, you're just giving them a guarantee that you're going to be back in a year or two. And that's the average of like when your trial would be. Okay. You're be back in a year or two for your trial. 
Okay. So some sort of security. Yeah. If you don't give them that security, they're not going to let you go. Because how do they know you're going to be back in a year or two? Does that kind of make sense? Money being used as a, like, if you have a really rich, let's say like mafia person and they pay the bail money, they're not going to come back. They're just going to like go hide somewhere. Well, like 90% of the people that end up paying bail money actually come back. Okay. 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 Yeah. So it's a high percentage. Um, But then now when you look at the statistics, statistics like who's in jail, 60% of the people that are in jail are in jail on something called um, remand. And remand means that they're innocent, but they're in jail because they couldn't pay the bail money. So they had to either, um, like, you know, um, say they're guilty from the beginning or in other cases, they, 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 like, they gave into what they're, they, they got into. They said, we can't pay the money. So we're going to have to sit in jail, rot in jail for a good year or two until, um, you know, we get to our trial date. And then they're still going to have to sit in jail hmm. for God knows how long. Wait, so um, what about, I, I forgot, like, what, because you answered this before, but if you have a lawyer that's, like, for free, which is pro bono or something, um, is there, like, are they limited? So that's why these people have to, like, plead guilty and then go? Or is there something so limited with that choice? There, there's also something to think about over there. Yeah. It, like, lawyers do pro bono, but there aren't nearly enough lawyers. Right, that, okay. Like, good lawyers that do it. The average lawyer that, you know, does, let's say, human rights, studies have found that they're with a client in court for approximately 10 to 15 minutes. Wow. What's 10 to 15 minutes when you're wanting to prove someone innocent? Yeah. Most of them end up pleading guilty because they can't afford the fees for a lawyer for an entire year. Mm. And then if the lawyer is doing it for free, oftentimes they don't have enough resources to be able to, like, prove someone like innocent Mm -hmm. the government does not give them like enough money does not give them enough funding for that who has the resources corporations corporate law Mm -hmm. how many cases of pro bono does corporate law do very very little if any so they're feeding into the system again they're just like we're not gonna help these people exactly and then what you get is you look at the streets you go to hamilton you see how many people are sitting in the street homeless yeah i've seen yeah it's insane. And then, you know, my mentality or pretty much like anyone that I spoke to before, their mentality is like, okay, we're going to give them $3, but they need to get a job. Why, why don't they have a job? Hmm. That's the average way of thought. But then what you don't think about is these people are ticketed if they sleep on the street at night. If they sleep overnight on the street, they can be ticketed. And hmm. when they're ticketed, they go to jail. They can't pay them jail money. So then they get something on their criminal record that they've been in jail for a year or two then they can't get a job. Then the, if they have kids, their kids get into, like they, they abuse their kids, they start drinking, yeah. they start getting addicted. Um, then, then what you see is cycles and cycles and cycles of- Over generations. Pain and mm-hmm. people not being educated, people not being able to go to university because they can't afford $7,000. Mm. And all of that just for a stupid like budget cut. <laughs> like it literally ruins people. That's, that's what comes out of regulatory law. And we're not saying cut it out. What we are saying is you need to take out money bail because according to the constitution, you are innocent until proven guilty. So why do you have me in jail if you don't have proof that I'm guilty? Hmm. But the proof is what? If they're like sleeping on the street? Well, okay. Like with those type of things, it, 
you have to be able to figure out a system where the government either helps with paying like the fees okay or you have to be able that that's where social change comes in because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to be sitting on the street if you know we're able to around christmas time how much how much does the christmas industry take 32 billion dollars 32 billion that's the statistic in america if you if you distribute that if people like stop the cycle of consumerism and, and distribute that money towards um giving homeless people like a home a shelter mm-hmm. we have homeless shelters but it's not enough and it's it's not well taken care of honestly right so we need to be able to create more of a more of a community more love within the community yo that's like okay you so you've studied this like you're in your second year and you learned all of this like did you just research this yourself or was this taught in your classes as well it was taught in my class generally and this is where i was telling you like there's differentiating opinions okay. because in class our prof so there's a this this if you guys are interested in what i was saying yeah. you should read a book called not a crime to be poor by i think his name is edelman mm-hmm. so there's this other um um philosophy philosophical theorist mm-hmm. that says that you need uh regulatory law because you need to be able to teach people how to obey the law for right. the sake Mm-hmm. So they want us to become, you know, robots obeying almost their every move. And that's why regulatory law exists, according mm-hmm. to them. Um, so we learned about that. And what you see is like so many people were like defending that, that you need to teach people to, to obey authority. Yes. What we don't have to obey authority if the authority is like giving us rules we see the benefit of that we see can help our society Mm. so we only obey when it's a law that's forced on us not a law that we agree with Mm. and that's like how it's been implemented so far is what you're saying exactly exactly Mm. holy yo it's so cool but it's so sad yeah, how does this make you feel as a student? Because, like, we were in high school. I feel like we were so dumb in high school, honestly. We were just, like, living in a bubble. But now that you see all these things, what is that? How does that um, culture culture shock make you feel? See, that's where, like, some of the projects that I'm working on right now comes in. Mm. It's because you're able to see that the monetization of, like, really being poor and not being able to afford certain things mm-hmm. is promoted as a way for the rich to get away with breaches and for the poor to live in cycles of punishment and criminalization, um, mm-hmm. all because of their status. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Yeah. Exactly. It encourages addiction, abuse, and crime. So you see that being poor, being black, being indigenous, really being a minority as crime. Mm-hmm. They don't look at us as people. They look at us as commodities that they can generate profit off of right right as students are this is where we come in we have a big role but we do not realize it people our age do not support nonprofits enough they do not engage with um charities enough Mm -hmm. so i've been working on these two projects one of them is rescue our kids Mm -hmm. Um, and um that's a charity my grandma started um a few years ago, I think three years ago or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And ultimately 
that's that like the money she raises um goes towards um countries that you know not many people consider not many people think of so she's helped in um syria she's helped in iraq she's helped in lebanon they're building they're building um an orphanage in lebanon um they're building um schools in um where was it um Yemen. There's schools in Yemen because I don't know if you saw on my Instagram, like a few weeks ago, I posted um, this video. And basically in Yemen, um, after everything that's gone on, um, you know, between governments and all that right. political corruption. garbage. Corruption. Again, yeah. Between everything that's gone on, their students are studying and their the, the lessons are being held between alleyways. They're Whoa. using the walls. They're using the walls, the, the, the building walls as like boards and they're writing on them any anywhere that's flat wow. it's insane so she's building schools there um so she's like i'm helping like with with rescue our kids in that um like trying to bring more awareness people our age to rescue our kids and being able to fundraise and all that hmm. and then there's another project that's a bit more local um and that comes in with mcmaster win and pre-law um, so the reason actually we started doing that in that club isn't just to be able to help out in the community mm. is, but rather because you know how we were just talking about that cycle of, um, people getting into, um, abuse and addiction because they don't feel the love of their parents and because their community doesn't show them enough love. Right. So we started a movement within our club called care for kids. Mm. And what that's supposed to be like kind of um, going towards is, well, right now we're buying face shields for kids mm -hmm. and they're like costume type of face shields. So they're supposed to, you know, like put a smile on their Aww. face around this time. It's mm -hmm. really, really cute. Mm -hmm. um, and like we're, what we're aiming towards is to be able to, you know, make these kids feel the love that the community fails to show sometimes mm -hmm. because we're so invested in our lifestyles and what we look like and the money we have and our status and our everything yeah. like when you think about covid you just mean what have you learned from covid that people are selfish and they go out and party while we're all self-isolating at home yeah and, and then and then you think about how you know we're so depressed and how we don't feel mentally well yeah because we're socially isolated and then you think about these kids sitting on the streets, socially isolated. So don't you think we have a few lessons to learn from this virus? Mm. We have to learn that, you know, we're in an area of privilege that we find this odd. Yep. We're in an area of privilege that, you know, we're able to live in our houses in a, a situation such as the one we're sitting in right now. So we have so much to learn. And a lot of people our age are so invested in partying and, you know, that lifestyle and they don't like, they're not putting in enough thought into the people around them. And that doesn't that concern you for our future generations? Where does that put our future generations that we're growing up to be generally selfish? Mm -hmm. I think we generally like our generation kind of gets that we're becoming more self-centered over the years compared to like 30 years ago. Um, but like, the thing is, is the way that we handle it is through classic memes everyone is just like oh imagine growing up when i was five or five years old having a tiktok page or whatever like it is humor i get people like we all bond through humor and whatever it is but it's actually a very big issue if we're growing up and you're like 30 years old or 20 years old 
but you're still in the mindset of adolescence, like just from a psychology point of view, when you're in your adolescent period, you will be self-centered because your world is yourself at that period of time because you're trying to figure yourself out before you bring other people and you talk to them and just understand society. But the period that differentiates differentiates you from adolescent to like actual adult is you have virtues. You have things that extend beyond yourself. You don't care about how people view you. You like you have virtues and you stick to those. So it's like, um, for instance, each year I'm going to donate money because that is a good virtue to have. We should be helping the less and impoverished com- communities around us. Like that is something that is extending beyond yourself mm-hmm. and not something that you're like, oh, you go on social media, you're like, oh, I donate to poor people. Like you see those videos on YouTube all the time. Yeah. And it's like, that is... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's so, it's like, they're just trying, corrupt. To, get praise. They're yeah. trying to get praise for the fact that they're doing their job. They're doing exactly to society. Exactly. And that is adolescent way of thinking. Like there are so many adults more so I think than the, like the entire last generations before us that are just kids in adult body in adult bodies. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. how do you even deal with that so i like that you're targeting kids first of all to like show them the community cares and to bring some sense into these like seeds that will eventually grow up to be like flowers Mm -hmm. and things because when people grow up just from a neuroscience perspective as well it's much harder to change their way of thinking this has to come from them internally so um yeah i don't don't know what we're dealing with here like Mm -hmm. even when you look at like you know how you're talking about looking at you know kids our age and like in general, like they're, they're, they're generally more self-centered because, you know, that's our age, but we can't afford to be that way because when you look 20, 30 years back, we did not live in, in an era where, you know, David Dobrik gets millions and millions of dollars for a YouTube video when you get so many people in poverty. No, it was, it was was at least a bit more equal, Yeah, you know? And then like, PR. So many of them use um, charities and they use, you know, these, these, they're, they're helping out their communities, but mm. they're not using it as a means to help out their communities. They're using it to be able to gain praise, yes. to gain love of more people. And then, and then what that's doing is that you see that the, the, the virtues they're implementing in their day-to-day lives don't reflect the, that of someone who gives. Exactly. It reflects like, more selfish. And you see, people get so sad over those videos. Did you, did you see all the reactions, you know, what happened with um, when Yemen happened, when all, all those events happened in Yemen? Everybody's mm-hmm. posting for a week. Everyone's so sad. Everybody talks about it nonstop. It's a whole topic. But there's a reason they're not feeling good about it. You know why? Because they didn't do anything to contribute. And they know that they're not feeling mentally well about the situation because mm-hmm. they know that, you know, they didn't do their part. They didn't donate that $5 that can make three meals for someone in Yemen. They didn't donate that, you know, that shoe you have in, in your closet for like years to yeah. someone who doesn't have anything, you know, to put on their feet. So yeah. it's like small things like that, that are shaping these generations to be a lot more selfish and then you look at them and, and you look at the habits and you look at how they're partying in the middle of a pandemic and you can't question why mm-hmm. because we've shaped them to be careless about 
their communities, about the people that are vulnerable. That's what we've done. Wait, but when you say we, what does that look like? Is this like flawed parenting? Or I think social media is like definitely the biggest thing of why this is all happening in the first place. But it I'm goes curious. Back to one what? It goes back to one person. Who? And you might not think so. Big brother? Zuckerberg? Oh dear, oh dear let's talk about Freud. You know, oh. remember how what? Freud had his flawed theories, right? Okay, yeah. His niece came along. Okay. You can imagine what comes out of Freud's niece. So let me tell you. Um, advertising, uh, consumerism, none of that happened. Um, I think it was around World War I or World War II. One of, one of, one of them. Um, I think it was... I think it was before the Second World War. It was before the Second World War. Hmm. Freud's niece was able to observe how um, all these governments were using propaganda to brainwash people. Yes. Okay. So he got an idea out of it, like to brainwash people to go to war and all that, right? Hmm. So he got an idea out of it. What if we can do that to sell product? Before that, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. It cut off. I thought it cut off. Um, so before that, uh, advertising was as it was a tool to help you differentiate between two products. Say I give you like in a store, they had this pen and this marker. Yes. On a piece of paper, they'd be like, this is a highlighter used for ABC. And this is a marker used for ABCDEFG. Mm -hmm. That was our advertising back then. What's happened time to time is um, after Freud came up with his great theory, he tested it on a few products and he started selling lifestyles rather than products. Yes. Rather than being informative, he was selling us these. Well, okay. When you look at perfume advertisements for perfume, what do you, are you able to smell the perfume through the TV? No, not unless you have a 4d theater. Wow. So what are you able to see? You're able to see a beautiful woman, you know, walk around in a white or off-white dress, you know, generally pretty. Yeah. When you get, when you, when you watch an advertisement for a Ferrari, what do you see? A girl, a pretty girl wearing red lipstick, a leather jacket gets in the car with a guy driving really fast. Yeah. So selling you on these lifestyles, on your goals, they're using your unconscious goals and desires. Yeah. And it pull you into a cycle of consumerism of, and, and we can blame a lot of things like body image and children on that. Oh, yeah. Um, and, 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 and you look at all of these unrealistic expectations that we have. And mm -hmm. you, you, you attribute that to Freud's niece. It all goes yeah, back I didn't know this. This is yeah. crazy. No, but not even that. Wow. So bring that back to the point of charity and helping out. We have wow. goals. Our to become that pretty girl on the perfume ad advertisement yes a guy's goal is to become that hot guy driving you know the car really quick with a woman in his um like passenger seat mm -hmm. instead of our goals being to become a good person mm -hmm. to become someone with a beautiful white heart that gives back to the community instead right. of wanting to instead of having these big dreams about being good people like they used to before mm -hmm. now we're brainwashed to, to, to want to be non-existent people. I agree with that. And I think the attention diet has everything. Like your environment is what makes you 
um, think about certain things. So with social media, like you said before, this whole narrative is definitely being pushed forward. But something interesting that you said, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing because I've never like learned about this before. Besides like the Mad Men era of huge marketing and whatever, I thought that was kind of what started it all. I didn't know it was Freud's niece. Um, but like maybe because we see all these people, some of us like, let's say naturally are look more like a model, if whatever, whatever that means, right? You know what I, I'm kind of yeah. hinting at. Um, and like, we know these people. So it's, it becomes like, oh, this person, I know this person, they're not a far-fetched model or celebrity. And they're looking like this way um, that I've seen on a commercial. Then it becomes like, not just exclusive to celebrities. It becomes like division within each other, like within us common people, quote unquote. And that's what pushes us to go more extreme and extreme and extreme. Um, again, like everyone has their own right to like dress however they want, look whatever, like do whatever oh, you course. want. Yes, no, of course. Of course. But um, you can't sort of dismiss the fact that there is a particular aesthetic or something being pushed around of being wealthy and pretty and whatever is the ultimate goal in life. And everyone will do whatever it takes to get to that point. Like that is the easy way out. That is something that is pushed onto us constantly so for you to like you said focus on being a like a good person with good intentions and a white heart that is very hard to do in an environment where you're constantly being pushed another image of you shouldn't care about other people like you should do this and even at times when the intention seems good like oh we're raising awareness about this huge injustice across the world let's donate to this it's like oh yeah i'm gonna satisfy my conscience let's also be uh, let's add this to the portfolio of me being the perfect person. Let's add a couple of Instagram shares or whatever. Yeah, it's um, and like we have to deal with this. We're we're so young. Like we have to deal with so many different things. Like I sometimes wish we were just grew up like fifty years ago, where all we care about is just like school, academia. I was talking to my grandma about yeah. about it the other day. Like you think about their generation. Crazy. Yes, we have it easier, but that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that, you know, getting our food day to day is that easy. Mm -hmm. That's not a good thing. When you look back 50 years ago, they had to, like, how, how did they get food on their table? Well, they not to go farming. Yeah, that was like not 50 years ago. It's like, <laughs> years ago. Hold like, <laughs> but like, like 100 years ago. <laughs> Let's go more. hunt but some like, things. Yeah. No, seriously, like, you talk about it and you're like, you know, you, you start to think about the fact that in the that we're sitting in a position we're at, and yeah, it's evolution. And a lot of people would say that it's you know we have we have it a lot easier, mm -hmm. and we do in some perspectives. But then it's is it really a good thing that we have it this much easier? Shouldn't shouldn't we have to struggle for you know the the, the main things to build ourselves up to someone that doesn't? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like if, when you when you're strong and working hard to be able to put food on the table every day that's teaching you certain values right mm -hmm. most people our age well not most people a, a good percentage of people our age haven't don't even have a job and if they do that's not to support themselves like fundamentally but rather to support their lifestyle to be able to buy a ferrari when they're yeah. 23 or yeezys at our school yeah no so what you're yeah. seeing is like people are becoming enslaved to consumerism oh yeah like they're 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 working non-stop hours to be able to afford stuff they can't afford mm -hmm. yep 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 
I think like back to the thing with the food and stuff, I think like I probably would like I would appreciate if we had to like go out and get our food and stuff. And there are people do that still to this day. Like it's not I think we're just talking from an urban sort of demographic. Um but like our challenge right now, which is much harder, I think, is like a mental challenge. Like we are physically evolved, like we have easy access to food, thank God, we're privileged and all these things. But now it becomes like a fight, a ment like I called it, I forgot what I told my friend the other day, but I called it like we're in the age of mental warfare. Like we our attention, our mind is under like attack, quote unquote, by the world. In the previous years, it was like the industrial age. I was more so like everyone needs to, human labor was the big thing. You go to the factory, you work. But now it's just your attention, your um, thinking, your, it's very abstract. Like it's hard. I think that's way harder than physical because physical, if you're tired, you know, you just, there's an easy fix for that. But if you're constantly being overworked and brainwashed, like you said, like, and we're like kids, we're only like what, 19, 18, 19, 20. What is this? And, and not even when you're thinking about that, like taking that further, um, see, okay. Crazy. When you're thinking about real happiness, okay, we all know that doesn't come through commodity. Yeah. Like personally, I find something that grounds me and makes me feel generally happy is, you know, going back to the idea of like, like faith. For me, mm. that makes me feel really, really good. Right. And I generally think that there are like that that pe- like even if you don't have faith just being like spiritual or humble in touch with the reality mm-hmm. is so important. Right. Like just being in touch with the reality that's that's so simple. Mm-hmm. But we're not able to do that why? Because we've learned to be able to touch everything that makes you happy. So we we don't know what true happiness is. Around Christmas, we're working double hours to be able to afford um you know that new PS5 for you know, my brother, yeah, same. spending time with my brother, you know? So we're losing touch of like the most important things um, in life and yeah. what truly makes us happy because we're out there, you know, chasing after things that, you know, give you a rush of serotonin for a good 10 seconds. Exactly. Yeah. I love that you said the PS5 thing because I thought, oh, this is an other, there's always this concept of you and other people. You're like, oh, I'm not like the other people. Like these people are sheep. I'm totally not like them. I send my brother, okay, my brother's across the country. I send him a package, okay? I was like, I'm going to send him some gifts, whatever. It's been a while. He's not going to come because our province is under like lockdown. So he can't come in anyways. It's the holidays. And my brother's like, my other brother's like, oh, we'll give him like a PS5. Why not? You know what? I was like, okay, I don't agree with that, but he gave him the PS5. I wrote him a bunch of letters and like DIY did arts and crafts. I don't even do arts and crafts, but I did it. I sent it to him. And then a few days later, we're like, oh, how did you like the letters? He didn't even open the letters. He went and played on the freaking PS5 for like five days and played cyberpunk. And I was like, is this what humanity has become? And this is my brother. Like he has a genetic obligation towards me. (laughs) We're, we're supposed to be built-in best friends, right? That's what siblings are supposed to be like. And he ignores my letters. He'd even read them to this day. It's been like a month. No way. Yes. And my brother's like very caring, but he's like, I call it, I was like, you're brainwashed. Like, I don't know what you're doing with the stupid PS5 and cyberpunk and whatever games he's playing, but it's like, they're just like not here. Like some people just get so in touch and so like 
into this whole I don't know how to explain it but just things they yeah. just become brainwashed I don't I don't know and it's so many people like how many people buy a PS5 <laughs> Raise oh, your <laughs> um, no, it's so funny because like um, when we're reflecting on that, like I, I told you, I told you last time about like my prof for yeah. the course I'm teaching with. Yes. And I swear to God, I'm not like over exaggerating when I tell you him and his wife seem so in touch with reality. And like you, when you're talking to them, you just feel like this is what human beings are supposed to be. Human beings are supposed to be just, you know, like what do they do to spend time together? Mm. They go on hikes. That's the sweetest thing ever. They close their phones for a weekend and he's a prop. So it's like, you you can imagine how difficult that is. Yep. Closes your phone for for an entire weekend, goes hiking, goes, you know, having fun with family and all that. Um, And you think, why can't the rest of us be like that? You know, it's, it's not that it's unattainable because clearly it is like he and his wife are like human beings. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it's difficult to think so, but like they're intellectuals as well. Like they, there's so much available to them. I think more so. Yeah. When you talk to them, they've, they've done so much. Like they've been on every adventure you can think of. And then you think we're missing out on all this, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're missing out on being able to live our lives you know enjoy nature enjoy this beauty because we're sitting in our rooms you know watching youtube and like you know stuff that helps brainwash your brain right. um, yeah so it's insane and then and then when you think it's not that it's unattainable it's just that it's like it's like a workout you know you have a goal and you're just gonna have to keep working at it whenever you attempted you know you can feed into some temptations but mm-hmm. you have to ground yourself and remember you know, we're human beings. We're on this earth to help one another. We're not right. on this earth to be able to, um, you know, live in a castle and, yeah. you know, work nonstop to be able to buy ourselves a few pieces of gold or silver or mm. diamonds. Yeah, 100%. I think you're just reminding me of something. Um, there's this philosopher called Immanuel Kant, and he said this, like, amazing quote where it was, like, human beings, the number one formula of humanity. Wait, can you hear me? Yeah, I can okay. hear you. The number one formula for humanity is when you start doing things as a means, as an end, not as a means to an end. So like some people work to get, let's say, a million dollar house, right? Like that is, that is something. He says that is fundamentally corrupt. Like you said before, you have to work at things and look at them as an end. And not only that, so that becomes a pure intention. You're doing something out of just because you want to um like the thing like you applied to the humanities just because like you wanted to like it was just a, a like a fundamentally pure um drive but the other thing he said was that each person is an overture to another person so like you're not the destination like you as a human you're a bridge you're a side character for someone else like in just like your oh your space God. in the world like we're all side characters for each other but even if you think you're the main character which you kind of are you're really not. You're just like a bunch of overtures to other people. Like yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, yeah. You're like, you're like a tool in someone else's life. Exactly. For them to who they're destined to be. Yes. That is so cool. And then, wait, I just thought of this, but if you think that your whole life is like centered around yourself, doesn't that mean you're breaking the bridges between you and other people? So then everyone becomes an island. There's no bridges anymore. <laughs> And then we all die. Okay. <laughs> That's enough. 
Right, okay. Now it's turning into conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, Emmanuel Kant would not approve. <laughs> no, he would not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But that's You're so- woke. Yeah. Oh my God, so are you? I I did not think of that. Like you know the fact that you know you think of all the relations, like relationships between everyone, and um, like those are all used as tools to make you like. The thing is, when you're thinking about everything. Um, you have to have being a good person in, 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 in the middle of your heart, right? Yeah. You have to do things in like to, to want to be the best version of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So many people don't consider that these days. So like to think that you're, you're essentially a tool, like sort of like a tool in someone's life to teach them a lesson or, you know, mm-hmm. be someone they look up to in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like with my grandma, you know, I, I looked up to her because you see, even the way she thinks, like when she's, I, she, what she does, the way she fundraises mainly is by baking at home. Mm-hmm. When she's baking, she's working so hard. And then you can see that determination in her face. Like she's, she keeps, she remembers with every role she does. She yeah. remembers, I'm doing this for the kid that's sitting on the street in some foreign country where they're, you know, neglected. But even when I was helping her doing that, you know, it's, it, I was looking up to her and that, you know, she has that much determination to help someone else because even when I was helping her, I was helping her because I wanted to help her. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't been affected enough, I guess, to think about, you know, those kids that, you know, live on the streets in mm-hmm. countries that really don't care enough about their citizens. Right. Um, where, that's natural, though, because, like, that's your grandmother. You know you know her. But the other kids is sort of, like, in a way, it is an abstract concept because you can't see the kids directly in yeah. front of you. And but, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she's seen them. So, like, she knows what she's working towards. Yeah. Um, so, like, I look up to her in that manner. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, how can someone have so much determination? And, and she lives her life on that. Like, you know, whenever she gets her, like, monthly check, literally just right there she puts it towards like you know in her in her pile of like donations and I'm like all of it wow I don't need it Mm -hmm. I'm like but you're not like like put aside some for yourself you know be like you can be selfish sometimes she's like if everyone lived like that these people would have no food on their plate Mm-hmm. so it's funny because you don't think about things like that and you have these people in your life to look up to um especially with certain traits not everyone's perfect mm-hmm. so i feel like like i don't know but like when when i look up to people you know i i see i see this person has this trait that i want to acquire yep so i'm gonna work myself there mm-hmm. is that how you think yeah yeah of course this is something i learned with podcasting especially you take tidbits of people like, there are certain things, like, I don't know how to explain it, but for instance, like, after this call, like, now I have a Santa to, maybe this will be weird, I don't know, I'll just say it anyways, but, like, with each person I've talked to and just in life in general, like, I can sort of, whenever I'm doing something, like, I can see that person physically telling me a specific, like, thing. So one of my friends, her name is Venise, she always told me, don't self-reject, Whenever I feel like I, I'm going to apply to something, but I'm like, no, I don't want to apply to it. I like, I kid you not, I see her face telling me don't self-reject. And that's like, from I get it from each person. So from you, like, I would also get another thing after this call, after my brain sort of reflects on this experience. So yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. We're like, it's, it's literally like you said, you need like a village, like a village 
raises you up. I didn't used to believe in that statement, but it's so true. And the fact that you're also working with kids and helping and like just helping that whole process of getting a community, helping them build up. Like everyone needs a community to get them to where they are, especially since we're young as well. Yeah. Yeah. Something that was cool, like um, I was thinking about it just now. So when Mm -hmm. we were talking the donations of like the face shields. Yeah. Um, it was so cool because, you know, when we gave it, and these aren't even the kids that we're donating to, obviously we couldn't come in contact with them because like confidentiality. Um, but I was giving it to, like, we went to the Eden food bank. Um, and I, I, we gave them like the big box of them. And then she goes like, are those donations? And her eyes like become wide and like a smile. She was a beautiful lady. Oh my God. Um, and then, and then I'm like, yeah, we, we brought some, um, we've been fundraising for them for a while and we want to help, um, out the kids that can't celebrate Christmas and can't, you know, want to like put a smile on their faces. Yeah. Her face becomes red. Her eyes tear up. These Aww. aren't even the people you're helping. These mm-hmm. are people influenced by them. Mm-hmm. So you think if we were all, if we were all somehow in touch with others that are more in need with us, don't you think we'd be, would be better people? Mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. for your eyes to tear up because you know someone else is going to receive something mm. like that's like the next level oh wow gosh well like i guess since this is a student-centered podcast um what about people who like okay as a student like we get bogged down with like a billion assignments we sometimes yeah. like barely have time for anything but again that's not an excuse like there's always time to do things um how do you like what would you say to other students who i feel like there's a lot of people who want to help but it's just they don't um like they use the excuse of being a student yeah like so how would you sort of tell them to fit in fit in this sort of um helping aspect of things that we all need eventually like we definitely need to be helping the community in general well uh, first of all i would say that like your soul needs it you know how you like you eat physical food right yeah and then you know, it feeds, it feeds you. Yeah. When you're, when you're helping out other people, you're feeding your soul. You know, you're learning a lot, a lot of lessons that you need to learn. Right. So just so you allocate enough time for your studies and, you know, for, to be able to work your job, all that, just spending time for like one hour. Like I believe there are those big brother, big sister, like programs yeah. that you can be a part of. And with those, you're directly in contact with kids that you can influence. Mm. And it just takes like one hour a week, that one hour you're spending on your PS5, you know, not even one hour. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Those 17 hours, like literally nonstop. You can allocate one hour to spending with your big brother or big sister, like, like being yeah. a big brother, or big sister. Mm-hmm. You can, if, if you, if you really feel like you don't have time, you know, you can donate even $2, $2 can, can, can be someone's meal, mm-hmm. you know? When you see someone on the street, you know, you see, you see a lady um, struggling to open a door, open it instead of thinking someone will do it. You know, you see so many people our age thinking, I don't have to do this. I'll file back on someone else. Someone will yeah. take care of this, you know? So you see all of those things. And we're also socially awkward. I don't know if you've noticed. Yes. We're, we're socially awkward. So we, we don't want to jump into situations that don't, don't invite us in. Yeah, but that's wrong because you know that lady in a wheelchair trying to get into a door isn't going to be like, "Can you help me?" No, she's going to keep trying and trying, and trying, and mm. she expects that someone will help her. That's true. 
So when you're thinking about these things, wow. like we spend so much time being, you know, obsessed with like nonsense, being on YouTube, um, playing with your PS5, when you can allocate even one hour towards that. Like the idea with the care for kids. Oh my God. I was literally, I was literally praying at the end of my prayer. I was like, I was like, I'm sick of this. And then in my head, you know, a part of your head, I talk back and forth. <laughs> so yeah, like, that's awesome. Like your part of me was like, what? You know, you just finished prayer. Just go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I started thinking, I'm like, I'm like, I need to make a difference myself. I need to see that I'm making a difference. Right. I do not feel comfortable living my life in this selfish bubble. Yep. That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. So, so then that's when I was like, I literally called Sarah, which is like, she's like the president of uh, McMaster Women in Pre-Law. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Sarah, we need to start off our year like in a good way by helping others. It's good karma, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if we want to empower these girls to become lawyers, to, to advocate for themselves, to advocate for what they believe in, we have to be able to show them support from now. So we have a duty to fulfill. So then, then she's like, oh my God, that sounds great. Come up with an idea and let me know. Mm-hmm. So then literally like almost every time I'm reflecting on my wow. life, I end up coming up with an idea and I'm like, I call her, I'm like, Sarah, this is what we're going to do. And like every food bank that we want to take the donations to emailed us back. And the amount of gratitude you see in the emails, it, at the end of the day, like I, I was, I was in tears yeah. of like, you know, after giving all, all the donations. And even a lady saw, saw me and Sarah when we were taking the boxes and then she looks at us um, and you could see that she was just shocked. Like in her, the way she's looking at us, she was shocked that someone our age is, you know, putting in yep. so much effort. And even at the food bank, at the eating food bank, they're like, are these brand new? We're like, yeah, we've been fundraising for them. She was so shocked. Wow. Like what? You've been putting in time and effort to be able to help other people? Hmm. So it's, it's not like... Time is non-existent. Time is what you make of it. Mm-hmm. You just need to be able to do what you want to do. You know, it's like there, there are so many countless things that you could do. Social media makes it so easy to take the first step. Just do it. I love that you're you're like that. You know the um, I think it's like the butterfly effect or something where you just need one person to like do that. I feel like that will always be you. You're just like, oh my guys, let's do it, and then yeah. Oh my God. Thank I love that. That's an amazing trait to have. I love that in you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh God. That's, that's so cool. Like also, did you have like this drive, I guess in high school or was it um, different? Well, obviously now it's, I think it's a bit stronger. Cause... No, I did not. Hmm. I, I didn't have this drive because, and this is something I've noticed. Like I wasn't studying what I wanted to study, right? I was studying sciences and mm. something I noticed actually was year to year, I noticed a part of my spirit dying away. Mm. Like when I was studying the sciences I, in grade nine, I remember myself being so bubbly, nonstop talking. By the time I got to grade 12, I swear to God, this is not over exaggeration. Mm. I would come home and cry every single day, mm. sob to sleep. I would like for us, like we have the Quran, which is like used as guidance. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I swear to God, I would read at least 10 pages sobbing. Mom would come into my room. She would freak out. And that's the reason she ended up giving in to me studying law. Mm-hmm. It's because she'd walk into my room. She was so fed up with walking into my room as a mother, seeing her daughter sob, sob, sob. Because like 
it wasn't fair to me that I had to, like before my chemistry tests every time, I swear to God, I did not get half an hour of sleep. So yeah, I got that 80, but most people that got 80s didn't have to, you yeah. know, literally, no, yeah. it wasn't work, worth it at all. Like it was literally eating up my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I was able to, I, I thought like I might want to go into law in grade 12 is, well, I wanted to do that in grade 11, but in grade 12, something that really guided me is our religion cuts. I was in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I moved to a Catholic school. And in that Catholic school, we had our religion class. It was Catholic. So it was like, I'm a Muslim. It's different, mm-hmm. slightly different. Um, but I absolutely loved how my teacher um, was talking about, her name was Mrs. Y. I loved the way she was talking about everything, like all these injustices, everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, she was talking, like she'd bring in Catholic values, but like those values are beautiful. Yeah. You know, she'd be talking about, she'd be talking about how we learned about Martin Luther King. It's not like mm-hmm. we haven't learned about him before, mm-hmm. but the way she'd talk about him is like, you know, when you're, when you're teaching things from a, I, I just found that in that Catholic school, they were slightly more passionate. Care- caring and passionate yeah in that religion class you know she'd be talking and i'd feel shaken i'd go home i'd 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 cry that i'm so privileged Mm. you know being able to have that experience is not something you get every day Mm -hmm. you know being able to cry from happiness that is not something that's crazy (laughs) like she was just absolutely fantastic and then um i still remember I always felt like, you know, I, I, I wanted to do this because I had way too much emotion to be able to channel it into, you know, cutting people up and stitching them up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I think mean, it's so absurd, but like, that's what it is. No, yeah, yeah. Like you have a talent and you feel like you can use it somewhere else that's more beneficial to society. And yeah. then even if you, I swear to God, John Fraser thought I was crazy because like in grade 11 in our anthro sociology psychology class, we we're watching a documentary on, um, indigenous peoples um was happening back then right and they were they were showing like those scenes of like you know the kids being raped by these priests oh god yeah it was it was it was really really disheartening i i walked out of the like in the middle of the documentary i started sobbing and ran out of the class wow yeah like i was literally sobbing and ran out of the class Mm. i came back and i'm not gonna say the teacher's name she thought I was the most overdramatic person she's ever met. And she made that clear with her oh eye. My, God. Me. my classmates, I felt so criticized. Why? Because I felt emotion because like I did not find any of it acceptable. And they obviously didn't either. It's not something anyone finds acceptable, mm-hmm. but I could not sit there and watch that, you know, until mm-hmm. now, when you say the word indigenous peoples, like, I just feel like I want to like, 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 I want to go to Justin mm-hmm. Trudeau and be like, what are you doing with your life? You said you'd be addressing this. You said you'd be fixing this problem. That's why people voted for you. And here you are. Yeah, you're making a change, but it's not a fast enough change. Mm-hmm. And you know why they're so scared to make these changes? No. Breaking. See, whenever whenever say, say you're going back to courts mm-hmm. courts typically oh, make it based on what's happened in the past like previous jurisdictions and if they want to make a different decision guess what they have to write no guess what they have to write they have to write a piece of paper justifying why they made the decision they're making sounds reasonable okay yeah to them it's something that can be criticized by others 
it's something that can make can put them in a, in, a, in in you know what others may think is you know not a good position mm-hmm. so they're afraid because it's unknown territory so what type of system do we have dude that's what is this <laughs> yeah what type of system do you have that people are afraid oh, to make good changes because Jeez. it's a change and people don't want to be criticized for change it's a a sheep one. If there's someone like just I, it's very simple. It's like someone at the top controlling everyone, a puppeteer. Like this is what it is. And also, since you're a TA, like you, I think can firsthand see where this sort of adherence to things comes from. Like rubrics is another big thing. Oh my god! Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that you're smiling as we talk about rubrics. But also. Yeah, like we're growing up, there's always a rubric to follow. There's no like, oh, I'm not going to follow the rubric. So if we're growing up in our pivotal years of brain development as well, growing up that we need to follow a rubric, when you, it is only natural for you to be an adult. And, and when I say natural, I'm not saying that it's like a good thing necessarily, yeah. but it's like what your brain will default to. Yeah. To follow something it's it's mm-hmm. the abnormal for you to go against something that is a rubric of society yeah. um and that that creates corruption yeah it's um no it's it's insane because like you know change oh my god i'm watching this show called designated survivor yeah okay and, i like that one and yeah it's a really good show like it shows you i know it's not all true obviously we all yeah. know it's not all true <laughs> like but like you know honestly just watching I'm I'm on like a third episode and just watching how yeah like you could see everyone around you know the designated survivor resisting the changes he's bringing the good changes he's bringing Mm -hmm. but for example with his commander-in-chief he's like you're fired why because because he refused to bomb a country at the time it was Algeria he refused to bomb Algeria because they were operating on a 75% chance that a terrorist attack came from Algeria rather than 100%. Mm. So the president, the commander-in-chief was used to that, that a, a, a 75% chance is good enough to operate on, to bomb a country on. Okay. So like, then I, I went online and did a bit of, a bit of research. Um, and, then, and then what I came to learn is that like, th- this is actually the way it's implemented for the most part in real life is like, you know, when, when you're looking at these politicians, they operate on chances. And first of all, we can see how that's wrong because bombing Algeria because of a 75% chance that they cause a terrorist attack is nowhere near enough justification. Mm-hmm. First of all. I mean, I don't know about any of this stuff, but I think so, yeah, I guess. Like, it, you can see where it's coming from, right? Like, you know, saying that me and you are in the room and, you know, um, say there's an, an ant in the room and you dropped a piece of crumb, and you didn't eat it, therefore the ant ate it. Okay. Do you see how the, like, no, it's not necessarily the ant, because I'm also in the room, so I could have also eaten the piece of crumb. Do you okay. see that? No? Okay. Uh, uh, kind of, but I, I, I think I get, like, the general idea, yeah, of just yeah, the idea in, that there uninformed are, decisions, and they don't want to go against it, because that's just the, the thing that they've agreed to. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't want to have to justify what their their actions, so they just um, implement whatever um, whatever they're told to. Mm, exactly. Ay, ay, ay. 
<laughs> what is this world? Yo, we're like, this is the weird young adulthood phase of like, I don't know what I'm doing. But like you come in from high school, whatever, every, our life is like a bubble. We're all chilling. Our biggest concern is like a chemistry test, etc. But then you go here and like you see all this and you're like, yo, I just want to go back to the old. No, I'm not going to say I don't want to go back to the olden days where my only concern was a test. Um, it's exciting. It's like, what am I going to contribute? Like, which uh, area of the world am I going to, or sector or whatever topic, am I going to help change a little bit? Um, what role do you have? Like, what's your yo. like main goal of like, you know, how, how you want to change the world? I don't know, but something that you made clear to me today is like the current things. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. The current, like, oh my gosh, yo, I'm getting a eureka moment. Things are, like, clicking together, so I'm kind of, like, wait, let me just take a moment to process for a second. Okay, so right now, I like brains, computers, etc., but something that you made clear to me is the fact that when you do things just to help people, like just for the sake of helping people, there's no ulterior motive to something. So today I spent the day building like this, I coded a specific program that makes it easier for people who are studying something about the brain to search a specific brain region. And then it tells you facts about it, um, where it is in the brain, et cetera. Like seriously, as I was coding this before I used to like, when I would code, I would feel like scared of how this code would be interpreted or um, what internship it will give me. Like, I'll be honest and say that, like, that's, that was my, the back, like background noise of what was happening. But as I was coding this particular thing, I was just thinking of like, oh, the student who is struggling with a neuroscience exam or something is going to go through this tool, just type in a one word command and get a bunch of information very easily rather than them going on a textbook. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like something, that intention. It's like at that moment, I was like, this is what it's about. It's you helping other people in in just like fun ways with skills that you've learned, with talents that you have. Like you're a very outspoken person. You're very talented in the way that you speak. And you know that you can help in other ways that that require people like that, you know? So I think that is something, I don't know exactly what I want to do because I feel like right now for me, when I think of that, I fall into a mindset of, like, it's a corrupt mindset, I think, like, when I start thinking about that stuff. So I just want to take it day by day and see what... Yeah, just um, reflect. Yeah. Like, what you, what you should try doing, and this is something that, like, you know, helps, like, me put everything into perspective. Yeah. And I do every single day. Mm. It's like, you know, in bed, close all the lights, turn on one small light. Like, in, in my in my room, I'll turn on the table lamp that's furthest away from me, close all the lights, think back to every single action you did that day. Mm-hmm. Then you think, first of all, what effect did that have on the people around me? So and then you're able to reflect on like, did I, like, did I harm this person? Did I, what was me saying a certain thing, you know, harming them? Like, did I, what was me saying um, a certain statement somehow harming the individual in front of me? So like, you think back to some of the things you've said, some of the things that you've done that day, and then you, you reflecting will trigger a change. So first of all, you reflecting what you've done and what, what you, like what you've said, and then reflecting on the effect that you've had that day. What type of effect do you think like you've made? Say you're at school, like at university, you know, did I do even one thing that could be interpreted as a positive change? Mm-hmm. 
And if it's either neutral or negative, then make it your goal for the next day, something small. If I see a lady on the street, I'm going to open the door for her. Mm. It starts that way. It starts with small things. If I see, if someone does something for me, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to compliment them, make them feel really good about the way they're feeling. Mm -hmm. People don't do those small things and it has a big effect. Like, um, oh my God, Darman, you know, Darman on Facebook, his videos always what? come up. Darman, he's like, he creates- I don't use Facebook. I don't use Facebook either, but once in a while, like when I go on just to like check up with like McMaster, like pages and stuff, yeah. it comes up. Um, he makes these um, mini episodes with like, like small actors on scenarios that happen in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. But then he shows them from your perspective of like whoever's doing the, the action and then the way, the, the, the effect around it. So okay. say one person, yeah, so cool. Um, so one of the episodes I watched, um, this one woman was walking with her son. Her son was being ungrateful. Um, he was saying that his jacket's old. He wants to buy the new like PS5 or something. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying PS5, yeah, but not yeah. buy the new like whatever. Um, and then and then she's like she's like you see that man over there? Um, he looks cold. Go give him your jacket that you don't want. He gave them his jacket, um, and then and then and then after that, he was complaining. Um, he got a stain. Um, no, no, no. He didn't like the, the let's say falafel sandwich. He was eating something, mm -hmm. uh, and then she goes like, "You see that? You see that woman sitting on the streets? She looks hungry. Go give him, go give her that sandwich." And then by the end of it, you see that the son learned a lesson, but then the dar man also shows you. Um, what like what you triggered in each of these people so with 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 those three people that they helped in that episode um you see that the woman felt a lot of love so she got up she went to her family she 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 started like a a beautiful reaction you know she was like she was like okay we're not, we're not doing this anymore from now on these are the this is what we're doing you know she like it, it's a positive change that you're implementing mm -hmm. right um yeah like it's it's small stuff like that and then there was another episode about um a man um him and his son went to the grocery store buying a cake and stuff for thanksgiving mm -hmm. um and then the cashier goes like um he gives her eight dollars when it's twelve dollars cashier goes like you don't have enough money for the cake sir um you only gave me eight and it's twelve and then the guy behind him ends up buying the cake for him mm -hmm. and you see that the son was really sad because it was the son's birthday right and he wanted the cake for his son yeah um and then the next the person next in line buys the cake for them because it's only four dollars mm -hmm. he goes outside and he gives it to them um after that they took the cake home and what you see is that it wasn't the cake wasn't just for the son it was also for the grandpa and okay. the grandpa starts crying and it was the grandpa's last year alive ah wow and and he 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 ended it you know in a positive note and his grandson now has a good memory of his grandpa mm. so it's so cool in that you don't wow. know the action you make that's a small thing that changes someone's life whether mm. that person is good or bad they're going to come to a realization it's a domino effect the bridges yo the bridges we <laughs> all come back to the bridges you'll do this with me bridge <laughs> bridge that is so cool. Yo, this is amazing. I love this episode. <laughs> uh, yo, it's literally an hour. It's been an hour and a half, which is absolutely crazy. This does not feel like an hour and a half at all. <laughs> wow, Santa. Wow. 
we could i feel like we could talk forever i think for sure when everything gets back to normal we need to like meet up and And i'd love to like see what you're doing irl like that's it's so exciting yeah Yeah. oh i can hear you okay okay sorry (laughs) i i lost the connection for a second But yeah, so I'm going to link everything that you uh, talked about, the Rescue Our Kids Foundation and the Pre-Law Society for McMaster. Um, you have to be in McMaster to join the society, right? Like you can't be not McMaster join University. Society, yes. For the events, no. So right now we have the, the, the first batch of um, face shields that we, we, um, like we fundraised for. Yeah. Um, anyone can join. So we had people from U of T joining. You have people from UTM joining. Nice. Um, anyone can join. And it's a raffle for three LSAT books. And to join, it's only the first, um, the first entry is $3. Extra entries are all $1. Mm-hmm. And all the money, well, the books were actually a donation. Um, okay. The three LSAT books were donations. So all the money that like, we're fundraising, all of it goes straight to buying the shields. And all of it goes to the kids. And then I even have, if you want to see the pictures of like our first round. Yes. Um, Sorry, I'm taking up so much time. No, what? Take your time. This is a... Oh, wow. I can't... I just see blue, but it looks... I can see the shields, yeah. Oh, the she's wearing it. Okay, okay. okay. Where's the Spider-Man stuff? Not not the one we're wearing. Um, Not the one we're wearing. These are for kids. These are different. This is the second place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you have pictures of the Spider-Man shield? I'm curious. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. And this is the Eden Food Bank. Okay, nice. Here, let me pull up the Spider-Man. Show me the Spooderman. <laughs> They're so adorable. Like, you just feel like they, they, they put a smile on the kids' faces. It's amazing. I love that you're, like, smiling. You're like, yes. <laughs> so My soul adorable. is fulfilled. Task complete. Honestly, because you just feel so good after that. Hold on, let me switch it up on Google. I'm sure they have it on Google. Spider-Man. <laughs> it's okay. I can Google it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like, let me show this grown woman Spider-Man face shield. Because <laughs> it's a hat, and then it's good because after Corona, they can wear it as a, as a baseball hat. Oh, okay. Whoa. Are these, like, 3D like printed? This? Oh, okay. That's Kitty so cool. And then there's the Hello Kitty for girls. Wow. On the sides, there are buttons. So then they can right. remove the shield. Yeah. They remove the shield. Yeah. Um, and then they put it on. Um, and basically, like, Fine. the reason we chose the costume ones, the not simple ones, is because, like, it's a, it's a costume, so they're going to feel good when they're wearing it. It's, yeah. it's going to feel like a Christmas gift. Yeah. And it's, like, scary for them to grow up, sort of. Yeah, I don't know how, how it would feel to be a child, like, growing up in this whole thing. But um, they're definitely going to be strong when they grow up, I think. Stronger, broken. But that's what, we're, that's, what, that's what we're, like, aiming towards is, like, helping them so that they feel the love and, like, they, they, it, it, it makes up for the neglect mm. they, they might experience at yeah. times. So, like, that's what we're hoping to do. Honestly, we're just trying to influence change so that our future generations, we don't have people that, you know, get into sex trafficking, that get into, mm-hmm. that, that become criminals. All of that starts somewhere. That starts from neglect and a lack of love. There's a reason they yes. were yes. to, uh, like, these extra ways. Like, like there's a reason they, 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 they take such extreme measures. 
mm-hmm. and that's because they've been neglected. There's, there, there's something that happens in here and in here in growing up. Mm-hmm. And we're aiming to kind of fix the problem from the root so it doesn't have to get to mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I love it. I like that's the con- the, that's the consistent theme that we've seen in this conversation. It's like little things that just over time become insane problems that seem like you can't solve them. But if you go from the root, then you then there's like pretty good chance of eliminating it completely. So um, yeah, I love it. I love this. I hope this conversation will stick with our listeners as much as it has with me. Um, everything will be linked down below. Join in on this initiative. If you are looking for a message or push to like help, if you felt like you know you're missing out on the community or anything like that, take this podcast episode hopefully as like okay, come on, go do it and go, um, sort of be an adult now. I think that is that's the change. You're an adult, Hannah. Now you're be not a teen. Yeah, be woken. Be woke. <laughs> 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 Trying to relate to the youths. Uh, other than that, yeah. Do you have anything else left to say? I think this is a great time to end the episode. No, that's it. Um, if you guys want to know like more ways that you can influence change, um, like feel free to message me um, or like message the Rescue Our Kids page. Yes. Um, really anything, like just reach out and like we can find a way for you to help out, for you to make a change, for you to trigger a reaction in wherever you are, whether you're in Canada, America, in any country you are in, you have an obligation and you fulfilling your obligation to society, to the community will make you feel honestly something that you've never felt before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's way better than, you know, the feeling you get when you get any materialistic item in like the mail, you know? Yep. PS5s. PS5. <laughs> on that note, we'll close it on PS5s. Give a PS5. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> that being said, thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Student Spotlight, the one year anniversary edition, which is, I think, the best way oh for goodness. a year. I think that's an amazing, like, everything we talked about is very, very important. And I think it's a great start for the new year as well. So thanks, Santa, for being a woke person on this podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> awesome. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Good day. Bye. How do I stop this? It should say stop record. I'm half blind. I can't see. <laughs> it's, uh, oh shoot. Wait, do I just click the top left? Thank <laughs> you.